This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. I think something's up with our router. Yeah. I don't know whether it's like lockdown related and it's at the ISP or whether our router's just getting weird. Have you done any speed tests? Yeah, and they all seem pretty good. About 70 down, 20 up, which is what we pay for, so I can't moan there. Um, the ping, yeah. I think, was 15 milliseconds. Generally good. I don't really know what a good ping is, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. It's, oh, yeah, 15, that must be good. No idea. <laughs> so, yeah, it all seems fine, but then just occasionally, not, not every day, but maybe once every three or four days, the 5 gigahertz network will just stop working and I have to reboot the whole router. Right. It will appear but it won't be able to join any new devices, and any devices that are hanging on to it will just, you know, they won't load anything, you know? Right, so it sort of stops allocating um, IP addresses or routing traffic through to to new ones. Yeah, and originally it was one of those where it kind of merges the 2.4 and the 5 as one SSID. Yep. But I I split them into separate SSIDs because my now-retired MacBook couldn't tell them apart. So it would just sit yeah. there grinding its gears, like couldn't figure out what it was trying to jump onto. Yeah, it's just odd behaviour and just like random kind of lockups for no reason. Yeah, you know, the whole five gigahertz issue to one side, it would just randomly stop. Um, so you have yeah. to reboot the thing. So I don't know whether it's us or whether it's um, the ISP because obviously they're going to be feeling it. You know, double, triple time at the minute. I guess could be a combination of everything. Could be, especially it? if it's intermittent. Yeah, you know. Um, I guess the thing I'd wonder is just sort of keep track of times of day when it's happening because you might see a correlation there if it's sort of contention on the, the ISP's network. Yeah, no real pattern so far. It just seems to be mm. whenever it wants, which of course has relit the fire of the whole maybe it's time to actually do the mesh Wi-Fi that I've been talking about for goodness knows how long at this point, you know. So just weighing that one up, I think... I think I'm probably going to go for a pack of Linksys Velops. Okay. They seem to be pretty good value. They did a a tri-band one where it's got two 5 gigahertz channels and one 2.4. They're quite expensive. We'd need a three-pack. Um, yeah. And that's about £300. And it's a bit like, that's quite a lot to spend on Wi-Fi. I mean, I know, I know they're good products and everything, but it's still quite a bit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, but then they did sort of last year sometime or maybe even a bit before they bought out a dual band system so just one five gigahertz channel one 2.4 sort of like a budget option i suppose and i initially wrote wrote that off because like you know i I want the best you know (laughs) i want the the big shiny one um but reading into it it looks like it might be all right because the decision's made a lot easier with the fact that the macbook doesn't have wi-fi 6 so I don't need to be chasing the most expensive mesh Wi-Fi systems of Wi-Fi 6. And given that I've got Ethernet running through all the walls, the benefit that a tri-band system would bring is that it uses one of the five, one of the two 5 gigahertz channels as backhaul, dedicated backhaul. Yep. So the other 5 gigahertz channel is just for devices connecting to it. But if you put them over Ethernet, and they can do Ethernet backhaul, then it negates the need for that additional channel. So I can get the cheap one, basically. And gotcha. looking at the reviews, seem to it, it, different reviewers review things differently. A lot of people kind of look at it through the lens of my home internet speed, 
because like these are people that have got gigabit internet connections so it's quite a challenge to actually put all of that through wi-fi and not sort of lose it in the mix yep whereas we've only got like 70 megabits here so basically anything you know our piece of rubbish downstairs at RISP gives us does that so i should hope anything will do it but it seems about 50 megabits per second uh, megabytes per second sorry if you're doing like internal nas transfers over the wi-fi that's decent it's good enough isn't it i mean it's not likely yeah. but it's it's near enough i think that's basically pretty good for a wi-fi 5 5 gigahertz channel that seems to be in the ballpark i, I think. think i'd be happy with that just in general use yeah and that is 163 pounds as i look at it on amazon for a, th- a three pack of nodes yeah. which i don't think is too outrageous because i've spent almost that on a single router in the past no that that kind of feels more the sort of price range that i would be happy looking at just to sort of you know solve the problem without like over investing because the the problem i'd sort of have with with going all the way up to the the latest and greatest and spending that sort of 350 pounds um that you said before is i, I sort of feel like well there's a shelf life on these things anyway and i'm not sure whether i'll be kind of looking to to update it anyway in another couple of years time do you know what i mean it sort of feels like once you're on that treadmill with with these sort of wi-fi products once you step away from whatever the isp gives you it's another thing to kind of be tracking and keeping updated so i think i'd be happier with making the uh the kind of compromise that you're looking at just from a sense of like well that definitely solves the problem and you know what if you find yourself upgrading in another couple of years time you're potentially staying with the same product range because i can see that the the um the tri-band links is developed so compatible with the ones that you're looking at yeah you could mix and match yeah exactly so there's potential there that you know you could look at something else if you needed to sort of down the line um that that then you know expands on what you've got so i think it's a good uh a good call to just sort of get something that that gives you the problem solved now mm. and then kind of reconsider where you're at i think wi-fi 6 mesh is still too much there's as an asus solution which i think i could maybe get sorted for I forget what it is now. They do a two-pack for 397, which is still a lot. Um, But if you look at the Netgear Orbi Wi-Fi 6, a three-pack of those, um, brace yourself, £930 on Amazon, as I look at it now, or 699 for a twin. Yeah, okay. I was holding out for that, actually. If you had asked me this time last year, are you going to get mesh Wi-Fi? I'd have said, no, I'm going to wait for the Wi-Fi 6 ones because it makes sense. If you're going to put that kind of money into this kind of thing, you've got to wait for... Because it's just around the corner. Um, yep. just, there's just no way. Not not at that price. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Yeah, so happy days that the MacBook didn't have Wi-Fi 6. Because again, I was disappointed. I was like, oh, I really wanted it to have Wi-Fi 6. But of course, I knew it probably wouldn't because Apple wanted the Intel chips that would kind of give it to them sort of for free-ish. But... Um, yeah, I just need to figure out, and I'm still not entirely sure how this works. Um, the modem router that the ISP gave us, how yeah. that would work with a, a mesh system. Can you not just plug it in over Ethernet into it? And what, what, Well, my understanding so far, from talking to people is that, and reading forums, is that it works best if you let the mesh system be the router that gives out the IPs. Yep. yep. And you put your 
modem router thing that your ISP gave you into bridge mode. Yes. So then it basically turns it into just basically a modem that chucks the the bits at the mesh system and the mesh system then delivers that to the IPs that it itself has assigned to the, the clients. Yeah. Um, R1, having checked with the ISP, does not allow you to do bridge mode. So... Hmm. looking at the forums of my isp some people are chucking around links saying oh this tp link one that's about 35 pounds that one you can program to work with your isp just by putting in you know, all the details and then put that into bridge mode and feed it into your mesh system i think there is a way you can do it where you can like you just said just chuck an ethernet cable between your isp kit and the mesh and then the yeah. mesh kind of goes into like an access point mode. Yeah, so I, I'd be inclined to just turn off Wi-Fi on the ISP one and yeah. then plug the mesh ones because um, they usually have like a, a WAN port on them, right, for for connecting into the wider area network into the net. I think they're like auto-sensing Ethernet, yeah. so they'll do either or. Yeah, and, and uh, I connect it like that and I suspect it will probably just work. Some people were whinging about having um nat errors like double nat so network address translation okay where the mesh does it and then your isp kit tries to do it as well and then it all falls falls apart i could see that potentially being a problem you probably might that would exhibit itself when you go and do certain things you know yeah so it's almost like you need to put your mesh into sort of like a bridge mode Mm -hmm. um i don't know yeah I, i kind of feel like it's not particularly clear I mean, I can just get the Wi-Fi stuff first, and then if it doesn't work out, I'll just overnight uh, one of these TP-Link things and, and take I'll that route, I'd be tempted perhaps. to do that, yeah. Yeah, um, because, like, I, th- I think the the pro- product you would need in between, like you say, it's probably going to be something um, fairly basic because all you need it to do is to do the correct kind of bridging mode between the mesh network and your fiber coming in through the wall is it fiber you're on well to the to the cabinet is still um copper yeah. that comes to us to the house right so the last 500 meters or so is copper yeah yeah but effectively you've got a is it a modem that comes through or does that then plug into a modem router it's a modem router all in one thing that we've got um so yeah. I, I originally started looking for a you know vdsl because that's what fiber to the cabinet's called so I've learnt yeah. um, uh, VDSL, just modem, just a modem. That's all I want. A modem, no wireless antennas, no router, just just a modem, and really hard to find. Um, and if you do find one, they're expensive. So yeah. I'll just have to go for like a you know one of these cheapy things. And if what they say is true, you just go into the settings and strip it all down and just say bridge mode, modem only. Yeah. Done. So. Yeah, and I'm tempted to do that anyway, because well, as we said at the start of this, um, I'm having intermittent weirdness anyway with the ISP provided kit anyway. Yep. So it might be nice just to sort of decouple myself from the ISP's kit as well, because we're coming up to the end of our contract with them anyway. So Right, so that'll let you go to, to wherever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, not in any particular hurry to do it, but I just this week i kept thinking would be nice because where i am in the office usually um, not right now but where i usually am in the office it's uh sometimes when i'm gaming as well i get a li- quite a bit of lag i'm only getting two out of like the 
or three out of the four Wi-Fi bars when I'm on the five gigahertz network. Yeah. Um, so it'd be nice to have a node in the office and then another node where the router currently is and another node in the other side of the house. So I think that's the way to go. Just need to need to actually do it. It just feels a little bit like the wrong time to be just dropping money on stuff like this, just with everything, yeah. you know? But then on the flip side of that, it's perhaps the right time to have a really good Wi-Fi network at home. Well, yeah, there is that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you might have a point there. It's just, there's just been a couple of instances where, like, you know, Charlie sits down for his snack and we'll put on a show for him and it just didn't work. And then you'll mm-hmm. reboot the route and the route takes ages to reboot. And then, like, Heather's like, oh, but I've got a work call in 15 minutes. And Charlie's like, where's my show? And I'm like, just give me a minute, will you? All of you yeah. be quiet. <laughs> I mean, I risk all of that happening again if I fit this new system. And then, of course, it'd be like, it was all fine till you fitted this new system. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> relatable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll uh, see. So I've had, um, uh, speaking of sort of, you know, being responsible for, for everybody's connectivity and that side of things in the house, um, I've had a, a an instance lately of... Um, taking on a bit of responsibility for something that used to be somebody else's job. Uh, And to elaborate, that is that um, I've gotten rid of the ISP, the hosting rather, that we were using um, for all of our websites. So I've got a few websites for my apps uh, and my wife has a website for, for her writing. And traditionally, over the last few years, that's all been hosted at the same place back in the UK and I'm not going to mention who the provider is, but they must have pivoted in the last couple of years um, and changed their business model because they've become progressively more and more difficult to deal with whenever we've needed any sort of support. And the final straw in all of this was uh, that her her website, she's got it configured so that um, it reports outages through Jetpack um, oh, yeah. With, yeah. with WordPress yeah. and the reports that, that she was receiving were basically like every day, quite a few times through the day, looking really quite bad you know, the site is going down, it's actually um, we're obviously, you know, the, the furthest in the world that we could possibly be away from it being in New Zealand and their stuff being kind of UK based um, but we were experiencing um, the loading on the sites becoming more and more slow as well um, and that was compared to how it's always been since we moved here to, in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, so add all of these things together and we were becoming more and more annoyed with it. And she was becoming more and more frustrated that she's trying to get stuff done with her website. And the service that I'm paying for and sorting out is is kind of crapping out. So <laughs> I took a bit of a decision um, about probably three weeks ago now this has been done sort of progressively in in fits and starts as i've had mental capacity um, with the concussion and everything else yeah um but i took the decision to um pay for a linode instance and that's great because there's no shortage of tech podcasts that give you discounts yeah, um, <laughs> in relation to their promos, so I thought, yeah, so that's great. I set up a, an instance, and they are as as slick as you've heard. You know, it's really easy to just set up a server, and, and off you go. You've got a login, you've got 
you know, I can SSH onto this Ubuntu server and boom, I've got the server. I've got something that can host stuff. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, right, I now have this responsibility. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the arc you go on, is it? Like the, like the story arc is like you're super excited because you've heard a podcast I had about Linode and you go to set it all up and you're like, yeah, this is so easy. And it's like, oh God, I've now got to do all this stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and of course I know enough to be useful, but it's also enough knowledge to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm aware of this kind of dual responsibility that, that comes with, with running a, a server where you know you've got to make sure that you lock it down and that you don't do anything too stupid and so and again combined with sort of being a bit bit uh slower with, with the old head yeah um it's, it's kind of taken me a little while to just sort of bit by bit set things up you know and i'll do a little bit uh I'll do a little bit on one day do a little bit more another day um this is kind of just like I say, fits and starts. And long story short, over the last three weeks, I've migrated our sites from the old host over to the new one and gone through a whole tour of duty of, um, yeah, what what needs to be done to kind of make a, a WordPress site work with Nginx, uh, which doesn't work with as, as well as Apache, and it was Apache on the old host. So there's been this whole other kind of set of just needing to make sure it's configured properly. What um, made I you have Nginx? A couple of people recommended it and it seemed simpler. So there was, there was a sense of um, what I want is something that um, has as, as few, uh, not backdoors, but bells and whistles that I don't know about that may leave me open to something else. So I wanted something as minimal as possible that that kind of um, that I could kind of install, and it would perhaps be only as useful as I configured it to. Okay. So with the logic kind of being that I've not left something open that you know doesn't need to be open. Um, and I and I know that somebody's probably going to hear this and think you don't get that with Apache. You install it; it's absolutely fine. But I didn't know. Um, and other people had recommended Nginx, so I kind of went there and thought, yeah, let's give this a go. Um, and it, it seemed to make sense as well. I like the way it configures itself. Um, it's just like I say, you need to do a couple of extra bits to make sure um, WordPress actually works, um, just in terms of forwarding the uh, the requests that get made for, for different pages and making sure they go through to the... Um, the PHP engine that generates the pages. Um, so yeah, it's been a learning curve. Um, I can't say um, all of the knowledge is necessarily retained. Uh, <laughs> part of that's probably my my current uh, headspace and state, but um, it's working. And um, yeah, it means that I can blow the old host out in the next week and just say yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Um, because the, the problem there was that I was getting um, kind of strong-armed into a new hosting product. And that was slightly more expensive and came with um, an email service that I just didn't want to use. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, thanks. Yeah, I... Again, without naming names, it's... it's 
I always find it annoying when you go to like a, a company that offers web hosting and they list all of their features that they offer you and there's about like 500 of them. It's like, we mm-hmm. do this, we do this, we do this, we do this, 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 this. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, I don't want all of that. Like, I just yeah. want like Apache, <laughs> MySQL, <laughs> PHP. I don't want like all this crazy stuff that you're telling me you can do and like big green ticks against it all. And then, oh, well, look, there's another plan to the right of it with even more yep. green ticks. It's double the price, but oh, you've got to have that one because you don't want the one before. And I don't know, it just seems very like upselly and... It really is. And and the, the I think the final straw for me was that I, I went, okay, fine. Then the newer hosting promises to be um better connected than the old service because it's this this kind of they've they've gone into a distributed cloud hosting kind of model that's on much faster connections and that's whatever. I'll pay for it and I'll see. And so I paid for a month and the process of then migrating the sites would have been not quite the same as I've got taking it out to Linode, but not far off, to be honest. Going from one thing to another, even on their service, was not seamless. And they, uh, they, they, they're giving me some free migrations, which you can almost hear the, the air quotes as I say that, um, <laughs> that I was quite cynical about because at this point I have no trust. And the like I say, the, the customer service has been a bit flaky as well. And I'm sort of thinking, well... If I let them migrate my wife's site, what are the chances that they mess something up and then I've got to go and deal with it anyway? It's actually quite feeling high. quite high. Yeah, yeah, quite high. I mean, I used to migrate sites at work. Um, yeah, back when that was like a job for me, and um, it was never straightforward. There was always no. the promise of um, you know some tool that would automatically do it all for you. It never really came through on that, and that there was always something that cropped up. And yeah, when I think of hosting providers such as the one you were using and the prices that they were charging, how can they possibly, possibly um, employ someone to migrate sites when they're charging that mm-hmm. little for website? It just doesn't add up unless they're just no the actual like some, the actual hours like one, involved. Yeah. Unless yeah. you've got some like one-click tool that just does it, and then they consider it migrated. Yeah, I, I I don't know. So so what I walked into was this whole situation of like, okay, I've got on their service. I was probably going to have to migrate everything myself anyway, which is another reason why going to to a Linode service is is almost no difference. After I've installed the server, you know, I've got to do the job of pulling stuff from one to the other. Um. But I gave the I gave the new service a shot, and to start off with, before going down this route, and, and the thing was that previously in the cPanel setup that they had, um, I could create a new email address just like that, and I could create forwarding email addresses just like that, no hassle. And the new service, I looked for email, I looked for configuring it, and it linked me out to this other email provider that I got a free premium product for my email addresses for the first year right? and then after that it was going to charge me three pounds a year for the pleasure of having email with them and i use it i I use forwarding anyway to kind of forward all of my email into um an icloud email box because that works for me and i'm quite happy with that um so I said, hang on a second, you're going to charge me all this extra for something I'm never going to use to host emails on a service that I don't trust and I don't know. Yeah, I'm out. I'm done. 
so that that was the the, the kind of backstory as to, to kind of where we ended up going okay let's give this this Linode thing a try it's like there's a certain purity to it isn't there yeah whereas it yeah. feels like uh the place where you were i don't know it feels like there's a lot of white labeling and reselling going on behind the scenes yeah um, and not a lot of real tech support i think to be honest i think it's um i, I get the impression they're probably rotating stuff quite a lot and there's nobody who really necessarily knows the full stack that well <laughs> i don't want to get this in there's probably no point discussing how bad a service i'm not going to name is but yeah it's nice to move on it's nice to be on uh a server that I can just go, yeah, do you know what? I can turn that on. I can make that work. I mean, you've got the overhead of, obviously now you being the sysadmin, but I've been thinking about it recently because I'm, I've got this urge to write and we spoke about it a little bit, I think about a week ago and it's been growing ever stronger. I think, right, what, what, what shall I do? Because I kind of wanting to rid myself of WordPress sites to manage I sort of, not knee-jerky, but it was kind of knee-jerky. I was just like, you know what? I like Manton Reese. I like what he's doing with um, micro.blog. I like what he does with his, his podcast. He seems like a good guy. I'm just going to support him for microblog. And I just p- set up a paid microblog account for five bucks a month, which comes out as like three pounds something every month when it gets converted to mm-hmm. pounds. And that was kind of like me being like, I feel good about this because I'm supporting someone that I sort of look up to and it's like a set it and forget it kind of approach. Yeah. But I am sort of finding the, the, the limits of it. I think it's fair to say. Um, so I, I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. I may just stay there with microblog and sort of keep it like it is, but there's an ever increasing itch to do a Linode again. Um, <laughs> and it does come with the overhead. I know that, but I think, I think it's, you know, it's doable, definitely doable. Um, you know, I just think things like, for me anyway, I would do things like having it do all of its updates automatically. Um, yep. and cause you can do it where you say things like, um, even if you need to restart, do it. Um, is it unattended upgrades they call it? Yes, yeah, and I've opted into all of that. Yeah, so I, w- way back when, when I had my own Linode, um, I, I I went for that because I was like, you know, to just do it. It's like, it's only like my stupid website on there. If it goes down and it's like, <laughs> I told it to do it at like four in the morning or something. So like if, if it's down for four hours before I wake up, like really who cares? <laughs> you know? it's, there's no money flowing through it. So it really doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um there's yeah just things like is it fail to ban you have to set set that up um to to stop sort of spam attacks and things like that am i right in saying that yeah yeah um so it's kind of all that that i'd have to open up again and sort of get my head into but i think it's it was doable last time it's certainly doable now uh, and like you say it's it's just got that purity to it it's like it, you you boot it up and it's just a clean copy of ubuntu or whatever you yeah. want, but in my case, Ubuntu, and you can just start putting things on there, and you put just what you need on there. You don't need to put all these like crazy DB tools and email this and no. FTP user that. It's like you know, I'll just like SCP to it if I want to, or you know, do Git pushes or pulls or somehow to get stuff onto it. Yeah, um, 
yeah. Well, I'm just um, I'm I'm just using SFTP with um, Cyberduck from my Mac to just you know load it loads it up like any other kind of FTP server. Oh, you got FTP on the Linode? Um, SFTP. So as long as you've got a a, a normal login, it's the same as as SCP. Um, okay. Pretty I've much. I've never never set uh, an FTP server up before. No, so so FTP is turned off on my server, but because it's got SSH, um, you can log into it as as an SFTP server. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, there you go. I'm learning today. (laughs) Every day is a school day. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's it's uh, it's nice to be able to step away from a host I was unhappy with, and it's certainly nice to have that feeling of like, well if there's something I want to play with for an app, um, I'm thinking about APIs and um, yeah, potentially anything that's going to require a server-side component. I've already got a server. I can install something on there. I can play with it. Actually spinning up another Linode and, and paying for that even isn't really... It's not going to break the bank. Well, especially um, with Linode, because even if you spin up a $20 a month server... If you only mm-hmm. have it open for a day, you only pay for the day, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so it's um, it's a service I'm very happy with, with having a play with. Um, mm. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, not that I'm going to be coding APIs anytime soon, but I think for a couple of the ideas that I've got for future kind of indie app development, yes, I'm going to be looking at using a server component. And, and this is going to come into its own then. So part of this is, has been kind of me looking ahead and just sort of going, yeah, this is a thing that I should have. Oh, cool. Well, I'll be interested how you sort of get on sort of longer term with it. I always get the, uh, the heebie-jeebies with servers. It just naturally kind of, you know, like on Metal Gear Solid where you alert somebody and you get the exclamation mark above their head and that little sound plays. <laughs> Whenever I hear the word <laughs> server, that's kind of like me. <laughs> I think I've just got too much scar tissue back from when I was a web dev and we had some really terrible experiences with hosts that hosted all of our client sites and oh man yeah like phones would go it was almost like I was being attacked by like land sea and air like my iPad would buzz my phone would buzz the Mac would buzz everything would buzz I'm like oh no and it's one of those where it's not your fault but it is your problem yeah um, especially when you get clients involved. I'm just so glad I don't have that in my life anymore. <laughs> um, no, I, I would not be happy supporting somebody else on this. I mean, this, this works because um, we as a family are able to kind of sort of go, actually, it's all right if the site's down for a couple of hours. Yeah, you it's know, not for, matter, even, it? even for my wife's stuff that she is you know, obviously passionate about and running as a business herself, if it's down for an hour or two, it's not actually the end of the world. Because at the moment, that's that's not how she's... It amplifies what she's doing rather than being the only sort of source of, of how people reach her. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's important, but it is not the same as, uh, as like you say, getting a um, support call in the middle of a Sunday afternoon from a screaming client that has to have their website back up there and then, you know, we, we can flex around these things. Uh, the other thing is is that I've turned on um, backups with Linode as well. Oh, okay. What does that look like and entail? Pretty much set it and forget it. Like, I'm paying the extra 2 or $3 or whatever per month, and then I get periodic backups that are held on their side. 
uh, that if I wanted to restore, I believe I can just go in and go, hey, restore that back up, leave it for a while, and then it will go and restore it and, and replace the server with that, that copy of it. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? <laughs> mm. But it, it's... Um, and I don't doubt that it works, but it's, that's, that, sounds, that sounds awesome. Yeah, so, so that's kind of my insurance as well. So if everything goes completely awful, well, I've got these periodic backups, so chances are I can go back. Yeah, because I guess and, it's, um, it's not necessarily your WordPress that you're backing up, is it? Or your, your site content. It's almost like the config of the server you're backing up as well, I suppose, to a degree. Yeah, that, that was the thing I really wanted, because again, I'm, I'm not going to remember all of the all of the steps even though i've got stuff written down and, and notes made you know there's there's going to be something that's uh it was perhaps done at the time and i've forgotten about so having that means i can get the full version of the server back yeah um i mean i guess I you think, followed the um, guides and stuff did you that was on linode yeah yeah, yeah. um but uh I, I mean and the other side of this as well is that for each of the sites i've got my own local backups of them um, and at some point I'm going to set up a, uh, like an rsync script on my Mac mini, um, that uses the, the, um, the logins that we've got and everything to securely copy everything down. Um, and I'll just set that running, you know, on a batch every couple of days or whatever. What is rsync? I've heard ATP talking about that a lot recently. <laughs> um, so I'm just not entirely RS- sure what it means. Rsync, as I understand it, is is a remote syncing command line tool um, that can use a variety of different protocols uh, to read uh, volumes of files, essentially. And then the the way it works is that you set a um, a local destination and a remote destination, and there's a variety of different commands to say, okay, this is how I want to keep these two points kept in sync. Um, and off it goes. So, so once you you configure how you want it to sync, like for example, you know A is the master and B is is um, going to receive a copy of its data, um, or vice versa. Or I want these to be um, completely synchronized, so any files in either one are copied to the other if they don't exist. There's all those kind of permutations that you can set with it. But once you've configured it and you hit run on it, um, off it goes and it handles all the... Um, like you can have a connection to a um, to one point, which is handled through, say, um, SFTP. Mm-hmm. And the other destination could be a Samba connection on your local network to a NAS. Oh, okay. For example. So it... it, it talks to an awful lot of different things so is this a thing you'd need to install on your mac or does it come like baked in as in like it's just a command like scp yeah so this is what i mean like i i I feel like really naive about some things to do with all this kind of stuff Uh, (laughs) like i I should know but i don't and like rsync is just one example of of that i suppose that highlights it in the same way that if i was going to like set up a server there'd be like something like that that everyone Mm -hmm. would be talking about oh yeah of course you do it this way and i'm like wait what? what what do you mean what's that <laughs> yeah just just funny like what you can hear like a word for a thing over and over again and almost trick yeah. yourself into thinking oh yeah i know what that is because i've heard it loads of times but you just don't actually have a clue what it is i'm um, just like you saying rsync and hearing it on atp like when they talked about it on atp i was like oh yeah rsync 
that must be something to do with our sync and copying and I just like assumed yep. it was that but it you don't pretty much know, is. Do you? Okay, well, <laughs> I guess yeah. I lucked out on this occasion. <laughs> um, no, prior to, to iOS dev, I spent quite a bit of time um, desperately trying to run Linux as my home um, operating system. Oh, no. You know, prior to using a Mac. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had my little uh, stint of that, which was a, an 18 month thing. Um, during which time, you know, I used Ubuntu, Arch Linux. I even went all the way into playing with um, FreeBSD and that sort of thing as well, which is its own beast. Uh, so th- there's a bunch of this stuff that I used, you know, way back when, just because I was I was kind of tinkering and trying to set up home servers and all manner of things. You know, this is prior to Netflix and those sort of days. So, of course, I had a, a home server that I was filling up with... Uh, plenty of videos and that sort of thing so uh say no more uh, <laughs> no further questions your honor <laughs> no uh but you know some some of this knowledge kind of comes fl- flooding back every now and again um and, and that was part of the appeal of uh, of using the mac um was that you know all these uh, Unix-based tools effectively um, exist or have counterparts or ones that you can install on macOS. Um, so it's kind of there if you need it. And it um, kind of aids this whole Linode journey as well to some degree, I suppose, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, very much. Um, I've enjoyed getting it sorted. I would definitely say that I'm quite happy being an iOS dev, though, rather than a server <laughs> admin. <laughs> 